Hello, everyone. I'm Dr. Carmen Pugliafito, and I'm here today with Dr. Andrew Moshvegi, who is a professor at the USC Roski Eye Institute. Uh, welcome to Retina Synthesis once again, Andrew. Thanks. Pleasure to be here. So today we're going to talk about the ocular therapeutics, tyrosinase kinase inhibitor, and the hydrogel delivery system. Um, can you tell us a little bit about the rationale for using tyrosinase kinase inhibitors or TKIs in the treatment of wet macular degeneration? Sure. You know, I think um, a lot of us retina specialists understand the unmet need that is duration, durability of uh, the treatment effect, uh, the good treatment effect that we've come to expect with anti-VEGF monotherapy if only it would last uh, much longer than, you know, one to three months that we've become accustomed to. So we're looking for new therapies that may have novel mechanisms of action with, that may uh, uh, allow it to have a prolonged duration of action. And so tyrosine kinase inhibitors have the advantage of number one, having uh, been on the market for other indications for quite some time now, Axitinib in particular was approved for renal cell carcinoma, and it's a small molecule, uh, so it can penetrate uh, the retina nicely, get to the site of action, and then after being conjugated with this uh, proprietary hydrogel platform, can then stick around for quite a long time and continue to work on the cordial nevascular membrane. So we know that the... Uh core of the currently approved treatments for wet macular degeneration are inhibition of VEGF by antibodies or placental growth factor blockers. What, how do TKIs work against the VEGF pathway? Sure. So, you know, they work by a similar mechanism of action. They're highly, this particular one is a highly selective inhibitor of the VEGF receptors uh, one, two, and three, as well as a platelet derived growth factor receptor uh, as well. And so they then work intracellularly, given their very small molecule uh, status, to interfere with cellular signaling. Um, with respect to the actions of these receptor tyrosine kinases, and by that way, end up effectively being VEGF inhibitors, as well as having some effect on PDGF um, as well. Are you frozen? So tell us a little <laughs> bit about the hydrogel delivery system. Uh, I'm, yeah. I'm loud and clear. Oh, yeah, no, you were frozen on my end for about 20 seconds. So the hydrogel uh, delivery system, which is used in a variety of prod products uh, with this uh, study sponsor, consists of a polyethylene glycol-based uh, hydrogel platform. And basically, this is customized with the drug. So it uh, integrates with the drug in, during the manufacturing process such that it is planned to completely biodegrade via ester hydrolysis over time. And it's biocompatible, so it doesn't leave uh, 
like a wrapper or remnant behind. There's no cast that's left behind as it biodegrades. And it really has low potential for inflammation um, because of these characteristics. That's engineered to deliver the drug to dissolve slowly over time in either as little as days in some applications or as long as several months um, with this drug. We anticipate uh, with axitinib conjugation that the goal would be to deliver axitinib steadily at near zero or zero order kinetics for between six to nine months. So uh, you gave us an update at the angiogenesis meeting about the phase one trial uh, of this molecule. Uh, can you summarize the results of the trial? Sure. So this is a interim analysis of the study that was carried out in Australia. It's a phase one first in human study. And this was a dose escalation study uh, consisting of four cohorts. And we have data to report on three of them so far. And basically this was a low dose 200 microgram group, a medium dose 400 microgram cohort. And then cohort 3A consisted of a 600 microgram uh, group um, as well as cohort 3B, which was the medium dose plus a baseline anti-VEGF agent. Now keep in mind in this study, patients in this study were the most advanced types of recalcitrant wet AMD patients in cohorts one and two. And then as uh, dose escalation occurred, uh, investigators started enrolling uh, more typical patients uh, later on in the study. And so then the study endpoint was at month six with follow-up thereafter, and patients could be retreated according to uh, uh, retreatment criteria as well as investigator discretion. And what we had was that a relatively well-balanced group of uh, patients at baseline. Uh, these are patients with pretty low levels of visual acuity as well as very thick retinas. There was no patient in this study who had baseline central retinal subfield thickness of less than 400 microns. And cohort one had nearly 700 microns of average uh, baseline central retinal thickness. And then what we did is we looked at patients based upon you know, different cohorts, as well as whether they were previously treated or treatment naive, because both types of patients were allowed in this wet AMD study. And we have data which suggests that there is a dose escalation effect such that the low dose group, we did not see a consistent uh, uh, treatment effect. Whereas with 400 and 600 microgram groups, we saw more uh, robust uh, central retinal thickness effect on OCT as well as visual acuity effect um, as measured by ETDRS visual acuity. And not surprisingly, the uh, uh, medium and higher dose groups had uh, the most robust benefit, and we did not observe uh, signs of uh, inflammation. We had a nice durability. After all, the first question you asked me was, why even look at a drug like this? The whole reason to do that is to try to get a similar effect to what we've already seen with anti-VEGF drugs for a longer duration of action. 
And what we've seen is that over 60% of all subjects treated had a durable treatment effect of six months or longer. And even 50% of patients had durability of 7.5 months or longer based on the data to date uh, in this open label study. Yeah, we ended up sharing uh, several uh, subjects from cohorts three as well as cohorts four, uh, which were the medium and, uh, yep, actually I misspoke there. We ended up showing uh, several subjects from the study who had nice uh, detergescence of the macula over the first several months with a prolonged treatment effect out to month six and beyond uh, for both uh, cohorts uh, three as well as cohort uh, two. Yeah, there were a number of naive, treatment naive patients that did impressive, had impressive results over a, over a year, really. Yeah, you know, with cohort three, we found that uh, almost 80% of the patients were treatment naive. And we think that this was due to the investigators kind of becoming comfortable with uh, enrolling patients in this study after uh, the initial uh, cohorts had been filled. And they did quite quite well. In the, but this is relatively small number so far. We have to eventually study this in a larger uh, numbers of patients to see if that same treatment effect uh, bears out. So there are plans underway based on this, plans underway for a phase 1B trial. Can you tell us about that, how it's designed? Sure. So the, there's a phase 1B study already underway, this one uh, in the United States. It's prospective multi-center double mask parallel group study that has patients with neovascular AMD, uh, which was controlled with existing usual care anti-VEGF monotherapy. And the goal is unlike the first study in Australia where patients were coming in with active exudation that we were then trying to make go away uh, with OTX-TKI, in this U.S. phase 1B study, these patients are coming in with controlled exudation. So they, yes, they had demonstrable prior exudation that got under control of anti-VEGF, and now we're trying to maintain that uh, fluid-free macula uh, by exposing them to OTX-TKI baseline, as well as a mandated baseline anti-VEGF injection. When did they, that, when did they get the, the anti-VEGF injection? At one month? They get the anti-VEGF injection at one month, which is a little bit different than other studies where patients might get both treatments at baseline. But in this study, we're trying to take advantage of the previous usual care uh, therapy during the run-in period that kept that patient dry to begin with, but then also expose them to another anti-VEGF so that over the first couple of months, the patient has a fluid-free macula while the TKI starts its intracellular activity and kind of starts working and kicking in roughly around the month two time point. Um, so then afterwards, we're relying on the OTX TKI by itself in the active treatment arm to sort of do the work of keeping the macula dry. There's also a control arm with a flibercept Q2 months um, as a uh, uh, 
active control with uh, a sham OTX TKI injection at baseline? Well, I think your treatment approach makes a lot of sense uh, because really what you want the TKI to do is to keep the retina dry and vision good. And you can count on traditional anti-VEGFs to stabilize the situation initially. Yeah, um, you know, the one thing that uh, people don't necessarily recognize with uh, TKIs is that, you know, if you're using them as a monotherapy, they don't kick in and start working right away, like in the first one to seven days after exposure, like an anti-VEGF agent does. And so you kind of need something that's around first to kind of get things under control. Um, so that's where these uh, run-in injections as well as the uh, mandate injection at month one uh, comes into play. So in the, in the phase 1A trial, the patients were only given uh, one implant. Is that correct? Well, uh, they were only given one episode of, of exposure to OTX TKI. However, with that first generation injector, uh, the maximum solitary dose that could be achieved was 200 micrograms. So, which is fine if you're only shooting for 200 micrograms, but if you want 400 or 600, you had to give two or three injections in the same episode. Uh, with this new uh, second generation injector that's employed in the US study, a solitary 600 microgram injector um, is utilized. And but they didn't, but what I yeah, there, there was no subsequent re-exposure to OTX TKI in the Australian study. That's correct. Yeah. yeah. So it's just uh, I think the results are uh, the durability results are impressive. It's a small numbers, of course. Yeah. And a heterogeneous group of patients, but very interesting. And I, I think TKIs have a role in the future. As a as a durability agent, maybe and not not as solo agents, but in combination with traditional anti-VEGF therapy. Yeah, we uh, are excited to see this data and look forward to uh, seeing what uh, additional studies show us. Okay, Andrew, thanks a lot for your time, and uh, we'll stay tuned about OTX TKI. Thank you.